Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And as always, big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution to help make this podcast possible. I'm excited for today's episode. We have Trip Lanier, the author of This Book Will Make You Dangerous, also the host of the New Man podcast, coach, father, husband. Trip, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm all warmed up, ready to do this. That's I love fun. it. And I know I kind of gave you a quick uh, elevator introduction, but I always love giving, uh, giving my guests an opportunity to introduce themselves, give a little bit of their backstory, so the listeners can kind of get a little bit of a familiarity with who they're, they're hearing from today. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the longer version is, uh, let's see, right out of college, I, I went to art school and I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to eat. And so I started a, a business about five months out of school and uh, it was a media production company, did that for about 12 years. It was the, I mean, I had the four hour work week thing dialed in before Ferris ever wrote that book. I, man, it all looked amazing from the outside, had the money, had the house, had the, you know, everything was on the right trajectory, but something was really missing inside. And I spent a few hours just kind of wondering what the heck is wrong with me? Why can't I be, why can't I just be happy with what I had? And I thought I was a spoiled brat, all of that kind of stuff. Deep down, I was really driven to experience these more in-depth conversations. And one day somebody was like, you know, you could be a coach. You could have these kind of conversations and you could, you could be in personal growth and help people go through that as well. You're such a nut for that kind of thing. You could be a coach. And I was like, wow, that's really? So that was uh, over 15 years ago that I got on that path, eventually sold the company, sold the house, moved to Colorado and, and went head first into that world of personal growth, spiritual growth. And they've been on that path ever since started the New Man podcast, which had, I think it was like 13 years ago. We've got millions and millions of downloads around that and interviewed so many people in the personal growth space and, and entrepreneurial space. And um, But mainly, you know, my day-to-day work is in the trenches with people, the rare few forward-thinking men out there that are like, wait a second, there's more to this life than just chasing money. There's more to this life than just chasing women. There's more to this life than just trying to prove that I'm somebody. What is it that I'm really here to do? What is it that I want to experience before my di- before I die? And and you know that's not a really popular conversation out there in the in the media. But nonetheless, there's a lot of guys that are hungry for that depth and that meaning, and they don't want to live in their car in order to be able to to have that kind of lifestyle. And so the guys that I work with are the ones that are tired of hiding out. They want to become an authority in their field. They want to align their business with their values. They want to have the relationships that are that really like they really feel like they have have an ally and they're an ally to that other person. So it's really about stepping into that that, that really expansive kind of a life and business. And that's the work that I do with them on a day to day basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how holistic that is. And and I really get a lot of that from the book. With this book will make you dangerous. And, and the one thing I love about your subject matter and even just hearing you talk is is the depth in which you take things. I think a lot of us, especially in this social media world, 
we live on surface level or three inches of water, right? What we see prescribed to us on Instagram, Facebook, and all those mediums and platforms, it's just the surface of what someone might be going through. And our wants, our needs can actually sound surface level. I love how you get to the depth of some of those wants and needs and, and you break it down to four key values, which I'd love for you to share here on the podcast that you mentioned in the book that, that men, and, and really I think a lot of people could resonate with, with what they're looking for in life and just breaking it down to something so simple that it, it sounds something tangible that we could really take home. So I guess break down those four, those four values that you've come down to and how you kind of got to that through your exploration. Yeah, well, you know, I was this guy and I've coached a lot of guys, whether they're startup founders, they're executives, I've coached a few Navy SEALs, like people that from the outside, you're like, wow, that guy's just figured it out. He's at the top of the mountain. You know, one day I want to be like that guy. Well, I get to see behind the curtain mm-hmm. and whether, you know, behind, behind the facade of the money and having it all together, the status, the prestige, people kissing their ass. Most, a lot of times, sadly, there's, there's a combination. A lot of times they feel trapped. And what they're doing is if they're like, this is the only thing that I can do, they feel drained. It's like, okay, same shit, different day. Or there's, you know, just the type of people that are in their lives are draining. Number three, they feel isolated. They, they don't have, they haven't invested in the types of relationships that are truly rewarding and truly authentic where they get to be themselves. Most of the time they're networking and all of that kind of stuff. And usually they're also just bored because they, they've left that challenge or the place that was inspiring for them. Or they're overwhelmed. They're kind of in this constant state of firefighting. So what do we got here? Trapped, drained, isolated, bored, overwhelmed. So when a guy comes to me and says, Trip, I want you to be my coach and I want to help me, I want you to help me create XYZ. I want to add a zero to my net worth. I want to be this guy. I want to create this thing. I want to solve cancer and puppies, like whatever that thing is. I know that if we get to the end of that goal and he reaches it and he feels trapped or drained or isolated, or bored, or overwhelmed, we screwed up. We screwed up big time. Why is that? Because most of us, whether we realize it or not, that big, hairy, audacious goal that we're chasing after is really just a theory. It's really just a theory that once we get this thing done, once I get to this place, once I have this money, once I live in this house, once I have this business, or I sell a business, or I do this thing, I'm finally going to feel free. I'm not going to feel trapped. I'm going to feel free. I'm finally going to feel alive. I'm not going to feel drained. I'm going to feel alive. I'm going to feel connected and loved and appreciated. I'm not going to feel isolated. I'm not going to be bored and overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to have peace of mind. When my head hits the pillow at night, I'm going to have this deep sense of peace that I'm doing the thing that I'm supposed to do in this lifetime. So if we flip it right from trapped to free to drained to alive to isolated to connected to from bored and overwhelmed to peace of mind, that's where we start to come back and say, wait a second, no matter what, no matter what, we're ultimately playing for those experiences. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what tax bracket you're in. Doesn't matter what country you're in. This is the thing that unites us all. We just have very, very, very different pathways to get there. And I find that that's a, that helps us when we realize that those are the experiences we ultimately want because we can start to see, wait a second, you may not only have to solve global warming in the next two years in order to experience this. I don't have to be the world's greatest whatever in order to experience this. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't be ambitious and have great goals, but what it does is it keeps us from falling into this trap where we're finally going to be set. You know, we're finally going to be free. We're finally going to be done. There's this exoneration. I'm going to finally be in this, you know, place of this velvet rope place of life where I won't have to feel any of these, these kind of discomforts anymore. And I think that it's, it's a lot more empowering to, to come face to face with that and ultimately know what we're playing for. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I love that because the, the facade, a lot of people chase of what they see on social media and the images thinking like, okay, these images equal what I want. So I, I search for those images. And again, as we mentioned before, depth is, you know, you take it to that deeper level and you break it down to, the, to that freedom alive, you know, that, that love and that peace where, you know, quite frankly, those all sound something that's attainable to you right now. It's, it's something that's more attainable than that audacious goal of, you know, selling a seven figure company. So I think that's definitely something that, that people can, can find value in when going for that instead of going just for that audacious goal without any substance behind it. Yeah. Um, let me just add like then our yeah. goals, then we can really set smart goals. Uh, Cause I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of these, most of these business and personal growth books that, that are out there. I think they help us set dumb goals. Mm-hmm. So, so, but I, if you got a smart goal, you realize, hey, I can have this objective thing that I want to accomplish, but ultimately I'm going to keep an eye on these subjective experiences and I'm going to expand those today, not just one day when I cross the finish line. Yeah. And that's so important. And, and uh, that actually alludes perfectly to when, when you're, when you're pouring into people and you're pouring in through your coaching, you know, I, I know it's helpful for people to feel that connection. And sometimes we get the best guidance from, from someone who understands where we've been. I'd love to, I guess, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and understand and maybe ask how some of your personal experiences in life, as you mentioned before, owning the business and then getting to a point where you had to kind of meditate and reflect on, okay, what's missing? You know, how does that experience of your own life, when you picked everything up, went to Colorado to jump into the coaching business, how does that experience help you when you're pouring into others as they're going through their own exploration? Well, one of the big fantasies that we have is when we reach this place is, uh, this is the idea that we reach this place, like, wait a second, I got to hear what's wrong. Like I thought it was going to, I thought this was going to be it. I thought I'd be happy once and for all. And I think it's just really helpful to recognize that our, that our lives are, uh, they're, they're a collection of seasons. They're a collection of phases. It's not set it and forget it. Ultimately, though, that's what we've been told. You know, we grew up, hey, get, do this, get good grades, you'll get into school, and then you get the job, and then you get the house and the kids and whatever, you're done, right? There's this done mentality. I'm going to be complete one day. And I think it's just a lot healthier to realize, you know what, there's going to be these arcs. Everything else in nature follows an arc. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And when you understand that that's a, there's, there's these relationships in life, suddenly it's not a surprise when you realize, hey, I did this thing. It had a cycle. It went through its phase. And it's also coming to an end. And helps us embrace those things and look forward to them and recognize, hey, I'm, there's a death and then there's a rebirth. One of my coaches, Phil Stutz, says, only the dead survive. And that was a fun conversation I have with him. It wasn't fun at all. I'm being facetious. <laughs> but, but it's this belief, like, we're holding on to this place, like, wait a second, this is where I'm important. This is where I'm known. This is all that kind of, you know, who am I without this stuff? So that happened for me when I ended up leaving my business, selling it, moving on. I felt like nobody. It was such a weird, especially, and guys can get into this place where it's like, who am I if I'm not, you know, actively creating something or actively involved with something? I would go to places like, God, I hope nobody asks me what I'm doing. I hope nobody asked because I was lost. I had no clue. Well, it's not really true. I had, I had a sense that where I was going, but I had, didn't have the plan yet. I didn't see how all the things were going to go, how we're going to work out. And I was waiting for the perfect plan. That was another trap that I was in. I wanted to have all the steps figured out because I didn't want to be uncomfortable I didn't want to put anything at risk and I didn't want to be a failure. I didn't want to fail and then have everybody go like, wow, you had it, you had it all together. And then you just totally just went tits up on you, man. What, what, what's, what's wrong with you? Yeah. So I don't know. We can break down some of the experiences there a little bit more, but that was, a, that, you know, that's just one of the areas where leaving that company, feeling really lost, not having a sense of identity, um, 
then not then waiting for this perfect plan or wanting everything to be laid out for the next next phase that was really difficult and i made a lot of mistakes during that time which i helped my clients avoid and you know help them you know instead of pissing away 3 4 years in that kind of a place to help them just steer directly into the challenge and then and then leverage it yeah. And I think that's perfect because as you mentioned in the book, and I love the examples you give in the book in terms of some of the conversations that and what they can look like, because through those experiences that you just mentioned, um, you also mentioned how that sometimes is what holds people back from going towards those four key values you mentioned earlier, the freedom, the love, uh, the, the feeling alive and that peace, right? So we might know exactly what we want to do in order to feel, to feel free. But the fear of disrupting what we have going on right now keeps us from taking that first step. Um, give us, I guess, that, that best sales pitch to anyone that's listening right now and they know what they need to do to go towards what would make them feel alive, they go, to go towards what will make them feel at peace, but they're just not quite willing to do it yet. What are some of the benefits that happen once you start taking those steps, once you start going in that direction that people can experience in their lives? Well, the benefits are that we get to feel more free and alive and connected and at peace, right? That's, that's, that's ultimately what we want. But I, I think one of the things that helps us is to realize, well, I like to just say, go ahead and look up at the ceiling right now. And I, I walk people through this exercise in the book. I say, go ahead and look at the ceiling right now, because this is probably going to be the last thing you see some version of a ceiling or you're looking at the sky as you lay there on the ground, you're bleeding out or you're in a hospital room or something like that. Hopefully maybe you're with your loved ones, but this is going to be it. So let's practice dying right now. Let's practice getting to this place because it's the only inevitable thing that we can bank on for sure. Are you okay with how you're living your life? Because most of us are waiting for this magical time. You know, wait, you know, I'm going to get there this one, one day I'm going to have permission. One day it's going to be safe. One day it'll be comfortable. One day I'll be ready. That's it. I'm going to be ready. And then I can really lean in and kick it in the ribs. And I think it's important for us to remember our mortality. Why? Not to be bummed out, but just to help kick us in the ass and say, look, man, what are you doing? Let's stop dicking around. Mm -hmm. Let's get on it. And I find that, that it, 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 can, it helps us take things less seriously. Why is that? She's like, well, you're going to die anyway. So why, why, why get too wrapped around the axle? I find that that's helpful. I think that it helps us be a little more bold. Hey, look, this is my one shot. I'm going to lean into it. I want to look back on my life and be like, yeah, man, you went for it. Nice work. Hey, and even if you fell down, you skinned your knee, you got back up. I like, I like that. That's how I want to see myself. Ideally, instead of, well, you always played it safe. You never ruffled any feathers. You know, that, that doesn't fit. That's not the identity. That's not the story that I want to live into. So I think it helps us be bold. I think it helps us be playful. And I also think it just helps us get over ourselves. Is it really that important? Am I that important? Is everything really contingent upon how I look or how I appear? Or lo and behold, somebody might criticize me for some reason. I think it just helps put all those things in perspective and you realize, man, calling up this person, making this request or making this proposal isn't that big of a deal. I'll probably forget about it in six months, much less 60 years. Yeah. And I think the embracing the mortality or, or, or our mortality kind of puts in perspective exactly, you know, how short of a time we really have on this life. And I'm never going to forget someone kind of broke it down. It's like, hey, if, if you're 40 or if you're 50, however old, I know a lot of our listeners are in their 20s and their 30s, but imagine you have, you have 50 summers left in your life. You have 30 summers left. And are you going to spend a summer 
wasting your life away, working a job you don't want to work, or are you going to try and live it up? And when you actually put that finite number to it and you break it down and you're like, oh crap, now I'm down to 49, 48, that kind of helps to instill some action into some people. And, um, and, and that helps in terms of overcoming the fear that so many people um, have, the fear of picking up that phone, as you mentioned, oh, but what's going to happen? Why do you think that fear is, is so deeply rooted? And I know you talk about it in the book of, of where that kind of comes from. I, I guess understanding the fear can help people overcome it. So I, I'd love for you to break down some of the origins of where that fear in people come from and why it might not actually be as, as serious as they might expect. Yeah, I mean, to a large degree, the fears that we experience are still rooted in our limbic system. They're still rooted in a very primitive part of our brain. We're not necessarily running away, away from big animals that want to kill us and eat us or that type of thing, but we, our brains have evolved and they've adapted to now say, hey, well, wait a second. If somebody doesn't like my post on or somebody gives me shit on social media, that's going to feel really bad. It's going to feel really dangerous. It's going to feel like a threat. And, and so we still have this primitive part of our brain and it's hardwired to this executive higher, higher functioning brain. And it can get really confusing, especially if we don't know how to practice being in our more executive, higher functioning brain or to recognize, wow, wait a second, I've been really triggered or tripped up for the last 30 minutes or the last 30 years, whatever it might be. And you start to recognize, okay, let's, let's grab a flashlight and see if there's really a monster under the bed. What's, what's really the worst thing that could happen here? Because most of the time we never question it. It just says, that's dangerous. That's going to be uncomfortable. That seems risky. That might make me look like an asshat. I'm going to stay away from that. And then our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So if we grab a flashlight, a big part of my job is just like, and what do you think is going to happen? And then what do you think is going to happen? And then what do you think is going to happen? And we just get to this place where it's like, and the client usually goes, huh. I mean, that wouldn't be great, but it wouldn't be the end of the world either. And I say, great. So how do you want to respond? You want to continue to run away from this thing? Or maybe we could start to take some little baby steps and move into it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, and it sounds like your coaching process is really kind of walking people through it. How did that come about? I'd love to guys, I guess, kind of explore that, that journey of, of building your, your, your company, maybe the first time, your coaching company as well. Because I know that we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. And, and the main thing we, when we talk about adversity is sometimes we come across adversity in our personal lives. Sometimes we come across adversity in our business and we have very hard times and that could feel like the end of the world and we're afraid to make that fail. Uh, how did you develop, I guess, your first business, your coaching business? What were some of the practices that were helpful for you in that journey that might be applicable to your coaching practices now? Well, my first company, I was so young and dumb and full of testosterone that I, <laughs> I don't remember being very scared. <laughs> Uh, I remember, I remember being used to being broke. I was in college and I was still living with college buddies and we were all broke and getting by. So there wasn't this, didn't feel really risky to me. You know, worst case scenario was like, well, it doesn't work out. And I'm, I file for bankruptcy or whatever. And then I, you know, whatever, I just, I'll, I'll get out of it. I was young enough. I just wasn't in touch with the realities of things. I sold that company and then moved into the coaching thing. And that was a lot more scary because at least with the editing and the, the video work that I did, it wasn't about me. There really wasn't an identity to me. It was like I had people that worked for me and, and you know, it wasn't tied to whether you liked Trip Lanier or not. And moving into the coaching thing, it was a lot more about Trip Lanier. My, my face is here, or my voice is here, or you're going to hear me on a podcast, you're going to hear what I say on a video, those types of things. And well, 
now I'm open to criticism. Now I'm open to having all of those places where I've been wounded in my early childhood. I'm, I'm, I'm open to just getting shot up all over the place. Snipers can take me out left and right. And I remember that was one of the reasons why I resisted going into coaching was because I just didn't want to be that exposed. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of folks, you know, that are solopreneurs, they're building their businesses. It's not that they don't have the right information or they don't have the right strategies or this and that. They're really looking for ways to put themselves out there without having to put themselves out there. There's the, there's the thing like, oh, I want to be out in the world. I want to be asking for business, but I don't want to hear no. I want to be able to automate this stuff. I want to have a pay-per-click thing. I want to be able to have somebody hit the box. And then I never want to have somebody be like, nah, thanks. I don't think you're good enough. And I see that over and over again. And that's usually what's holding us back. And it was definitely something that held me back was that unwillingness to put myself into play. It still does. Like even to this day, I have to work with that. It's like, oh man, I don't want to put myself in places where I get a no. The process of this book going out and asking for help. Hey, will you help me promote my book? I've helped you promote your books in the past. Will you help me? And it's like waiting for those responses to come in. It's like, oh man, this person's going to say no, or this person's not, they're just going to ghost me. And I mean, I remember just feeling all kind of in that inside and like, and like, geez, I wrote a book about this stuff. Maybe it would help me out now. And it did. It helped me come back to be playful and like, hey, it's not that big of a deal. If they don't do it, I'd rather be asking for things that I want and get shot down than never ask at all and play small. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why people, I think it's an opportunity. I think it's a great opportunity. The people that I see that are willing to put themselves out there, willing to stick their neck out there, willing to take some shots from time to time, have a huge advantage over those that are going to try and game the system and try to hide behind things. Yeah. Now, how do you bounce back from a perceived failure? Because I know, and you mentioned in the book, I mean, failure is not final. And, and I think a lot of people are afraid of that. But for anyone listening right now that might have experienced their failure, maybe their company went bankrupt, uh, maybe a relationship that was very important to them just ended and they feel like, ah, this is the end of the road, right? How can you, I guess, pick up the pieces, pick up your, your worn out tools and build again and, and push forward? What, what would you tell someone that's kind of going through that season right now? I think it's important to read about others who have gone through that, or in, ideally it's to be in relationship with others who have gone through that. Mm-hmm. There's something about when you get out of this place of out of the seven something billion people on this planet, I'm the only one that's struggling with this thing. I'm so unique that I'm the only person on this planet that has screwed up in this way. There's something that happens and I've, I've, I've seen this over and over again. I've been in men's groups and leading groups with men for years, for over 15 years. And there's something that happens when you're just in a group of men and you're not the only one that's going through X, Y, Z. And you can see the healing that happens. You can see the confidence that happens just from going like, huh, you mean I'm not the only one that has a problem with this or that has been challenged by that? I'm not the only one struggling with, the, with parenting or with money or with my marriage or with my business. And there's this thing that just we're, immediately we're buoyed up. We get lifted up and it's like, oh, Okay we remove that weight of being the only one and I'm a failure and all of that other kind of stuff. And just like, okay, well maybe it's not that big a deal. And you start to recognize that this is the pathway forward. And one day you're probably going to be sitting over a drink and laughing about it. Um, it's the truth. Like it's, it's, it's genuinely how we feel now in the moment it sucks. I don't want to, I want to go through those moments, but if, if you have enough of them, you start to realize, well, at some point I may laugh about this. I can't laugh about it right now, but this is going to be a growth opportunity. But yeah, can you be around others that have gone through this? Um, just being with them, they don't have to give you advice. They don't have to rescue you or fix you. But that can really just help to, to, to get out of this place that you're the only one. 
Yeah, I think it's all about community. We've, we've mentioned before in times of if you have an issue or a problem or something you've experienced, just being able to speak to somebody else who's gone through it or experienced that doesn't quite solve the problem, but it lets you know that you're not alone. And sometimes, you know, that's that's the biggest relief you can you can get. You know, it's just that validation like, OK, I'm not messed up or I'm not crazy because I went through this and, right. and that's all I needed to hear. We can right. get through this together. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think, you know, most of us are doing our best to project that image that we got it all together and everything's all tight. And, and then, you know, but of course I'm the only one that's got problems and it's just like, let's cut that crap out. And suddenly you realize you got a lot of brothers, you got a lot of sisters out there that are, that are, that are in this together and, and we can help each other. And just a wink and a nod, like I see you, I see what's going on with you and to know that you're not alone. And then you can start to look for those resources. All right. So what does it look like? What's the next step? And that's a creative place to be. Yeah. Keep on walking. Uh, I'd love to talk about uh, some of the rainbows that you're going for in your personal life, whether it be in coaching with the book, uh, podcast. So what are the plans for, for a trip coming up in the next maybe few months or few years? Well, it'd be nice to get out and about and meet more people and, and have more of an impact face to face with people. I've been in a cave writing this book. And then obviously this last year is everybody's been caved up. So I noticed that first and foremost, like, I just want to get out and like hang with some people, hang with good people. I've been meeting good people like you through this process of promoting the book. And it's like, man, it'd be really fun to get everybody in a room and have a good time together and share. And I'm missing that community aspect big time. So I noticed myself hungry for that. And, uh, and also just finding more ways to play. Like where, where, where does this creative energy, this playful energy overlap with this spirit of growth and expansion? Yeah. And one last question before I want to make sure folks have a way to get the book and reach out to you and everything, because you did mention a few times just now and earlier about this, this place of creativity and expansion and growth. And, and for me, part of the inception of this podcast and the things that I do have, have been an obsession of growth. And I feel as though, hey, when we stop growing, that's when we start dying. Um, where did your, I guess, first um, thought of growth or the first kind of pinch of that mindfulness and that self-growth kind of hit and how did that grow like wildfire through, through your life? Well, I mean, I have to think about it, but I think the, I think what comes up for me is my mom decided to take her own life when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I didn't want that path for me. I want to live. Mm-hmm. And you know, her reasons and her, her choices aside, I think that, that, that just lit a fire under my ass that not to run away from things. Cause it, again, we can get into this place of like, I, it can, you know, even growth can turn us into this possession of, I've got to always be growing in, in it, but it's, it's really a, a thing of fear. We're out running something. It's, we're out running a, of not enoughness or whatever that thing might be. But to really come back and I, it, for me, it was just, I, I want to make sure I really live. I want to live this life. And so then growth is in service of that living. What's going to, is there a place where I'm stagnating or I'm feeling less alive because there's a new thing for me to, to, to learn for a new thing to grow. And I, I, that's the way that I approach growth, not just from this, Hey, I always got to be growing just for the sake of growing. Um, But really just to, to ensure that I want to be alive. Absolutely. Well, Trip. Where can folks uh, reach out to you, maybe get more information from the book that the book, again, the title is This Book Will Make You Dangerous and maybe even tune into the podcast, The New Man. How can folks uh, connect with all your links? 
Well, The New Man is available wherever you get your podcasts and thenewmanpodcast.com. I got a ton of free resources there. Um, the book is available on Amazon. We've got the paperback, we've got the audio version, and we've got the Kindle. And um, if you're interested in learning more about the coaching services that I provide, you can go to triplinear.com. Awesome. And I'll be sure to have all those links uh, in, in the show notes for folks. They can kind of just open up their app and hit those links right now. But Trip, I really appreciate you taking the time today. And uh, yeah, hopefully when this whole pandemic nonsense is over, we'll be able to actually meet in person. I'd like that, man. Sounds good. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And thank you to the listeners for making it to the end. And as always, just have to recap some of the some of the gems that, that Trip dropped along the way. Well, the goal is just a theory. A lot of times we chase these materialistic goals or these, these goals that have what we would imagine to be the appropriate outcome, but that's just a theory. Perhaps what you're looking for is deeper than the goal itself, and maybe there's ways you can get it sooner than actually attaining the, the audacious goal that you've set for yourself. When our lives is a collection of seasons, Trust me, there's been good days, there's been bad days. We all have them. Whatever season you're in right now, this too shall pass. And if you're not in a storm, you're probably heading towards one or just coming out of one. That's always how we are in No Rain, No Rainbows. And are you okay with how you're living your life? That's the real question when you embrace your own mortality and you, you kind of look at the things you're afraid of. Is it really that bad? Or are you just holding yourself back from disrupting some mediocre life that you have for that truth, that freedom, that joy, that happiness that you're, you're, you're looking for? As Trip broke it down, feeling freedom, being alive, feeling love, and feeling at peace. And finally, I want to make sure I really live. A lot of us look in the mirror each and every single day knowing that that person is dying to live. And I hope that this podcast and reaching out to Trip can help you get to that level and push past those, uh, those little fears and push past your storms to get to the other side. As we always say at the end of the podcast, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. The No Rain, No Rainbows podcast is recorded at Camaraderie, a collective workspace in Greenville, South Carolina, right off the Swamp Rabbit Trail. If you're looking for a place to grow your business, network with other professionals, and establish your own workspace, Camaraderie is the place to do so. Get access to high-speed internet, private showers and towel service, free methodical coffee, and free beer on tap. For more details, be sure to head over to camaraderiecowork.com or hit the link in the show notes and find out how you can lock in your space with rates starting at just $99 a month. Be sure to tell them that Ted sent you and try it out for free. You never know, you just might find a new home at Camaraderie. Let's grow.